Creating videos doesn't have to be expensive and time-consuming. At QuickFrame by Mountain, you'll get all the creativity without any of the baggage. Their solution has facilitated more than 65,000 high-performing on-brand video ads designed for both audience specificity and rapid creative testing. Get matched with a diverse community of creators across the globe who have the skills to bring your big and small ideas to life. Big screen performance on every screen in the home? It's not too good to be true. It's just how they roll. Visit quickframe.com to learn more. Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today is Aaron Shapiro, the founder and chairman of Product, absolutely one of the companies that is at the forefront of redefining our business before our very eyes. It's absolutely brilliant what you're doing there, Aaron, and we're going to talk about it. I love that tie to sustainability as well, just as important as the marketing engine and the marketing products you're driving is that commitment to a sustainable future and you know let's face it aaron if, if we're not doing this we got big problems because the people we've elect people we've elected to lead are not particularly getting it done i know it's it's uh, uh, certainly a big task um, um yeah certainly um first of all thank you for having me on the show big fan and uh as we talk before, congratulations on all your success being at it for four years is, is a big run in the podcasting world Oh my goodness. It's a, it's a sentence. He heavy lies the crown, as they say. So uh, Aaron, people use the word marketing luminary, uh, the phrase to describe you. That's not said about everybody, but building huge uh, is not something that everybody does. So usually we go back a little bit further, but I, I remember when Huge had its real moment in the sun a couple of years ago, you were part of our Advertising Week family and you mm -hmm. guys really built something pretty great. So I'd love to start our conversation by talking about Huge. Sure, uh, yeah, so as you alluded to, um, I was, um, you know, started and built up Huge over many years. Uh, it was myself and three partners who got the firm off the ground back in 2005. And it was really the early days of the internet, right? This is, think about 2005, pre Facebook is still, you know, at colleges, pre iPhone, you know, pretty early days. Um, and a lot of what we pioneered was the, the now obvious idea that the internet is good for business. And it's really important to have a strong user experience design and the importance of thinking about customer experience as part of the marketing mix. That's a lot of what huge pioneered. And we're really fortunate over the years to attract some really great clients and do some great work with a fantastic team. Uh, we built the company up to 1,500 employees over over 12 offices um, over that decade, and um, eventually became part of Interpublic. Um, that was a great partner for us. And uh, yes, yeah, so it was a really a really successful run, and and a lot of the work we're really proud of. Um, just both the talent we developed and a lot of really breakthrough experiences and campaigns um, for many great brands. And Aaron, you said it, 2005, you know, very different world. Very different world. You were there early to the party. RGA was certainly there early to the party. Uh, arguably, Bob Greenberg was in digital before any of us knew what digital was. Absolutely. Yeah, Bob was like an idol to me. Yeah, my old buddy, Matt Freeman, I thought tribal DDB. I know, I, thought I know, had yeah, a really that's right. <laughs> early run. Talk about what the world was like then, what the competitive landscape was like then, 
And did you ever, Aaron, in your wildest dreams, imagine, you know, how quickly the technologies that were just in their infancy then were going to shake up everything as we yeah, it's know pretty, it. it's, Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty incredible, the change. I mean, you know, look, when I remember the biggest memory that I have from back in those early days was that most of the internet were Flash websites. People probably don't even remember Flash now, but these are like, you know, Flash is a technology now owned by Adobe since gone from the internet that used to make animated websites and literally go to a website. It'd be this, you'd have this loading screen that would take a minute to load up. And then these animations would appear like Coca-Cola bottles spinning around and stuff like that. And that was a lot of the internet. And, and there was always this big debate, you know, is internet, is the internet a brochure for a website like the Coca-Cola spinning bottles and you go there to watch the ad or is it a utility? Is it a tool like the way Google searches, these very simple sites where you would just go and do search and find things. And it seems pretty obvious now where, what the world is. The internet's a big utility, um, but it wasn't so obvious back then. And a lot of the early work was just educating folks around, hey, you know, there's this thing called good design. You can have a website that's easy and intuitive. People can buy stuff from your website. You know, it sounds pretty basic now, but I mean, one of the, the first big projects we did at Huge was uh, designing JetBlue's website. And a big thing that we did was, was allow people from the homepage of JetBlue.com to book a ticket. And it seems pretty obvious now, like how could you not have an airline website where the first thing you do is enter where you're going and coming from and to to search. But that wasn't what it was like back then. Back then, believe it or not, airline website was mostly uh, an advertisement run by the corporate comms department with press releases and job listings and updates, not a place to do business. And that was a lot of the shift that we were part of. It was really the commercialization of the internet, moving from the internet from fun brochures and games and personal sites to these massive transactional machines where it where the internet is is how you shop, how you buy, how you communicate, all the kind of utility that we use the internet now. Uh, and that's what I feel really personally fortunate to be a part of was part of that that evolution and helping companies figure out how the internet can be this powerful tool for customers that makes such a big impact in their lives. So let me take you in a slightly different direction which, which came to mind and the whole evolution of the web as a vehicle for commerce i'm with you uh, i'm flying on JetBlue tomorrow you know yep. i i just booked my ticket you know and you're right about the intuitiveness the user experience certainly 2023 very different than 2005. one of the things that concerns me though along that journey is how so much of the web has been weaponized politically and mm -hmm. that the crazy voice is the amplified one and is rewarded. So I'm, you know, pretty moderate middle of the road, you know, on a lot of issues. I'm definitely more left than right overall. Yep. Um, and I worry that uh, that of the 450 some odd members of the House of Representatives, I know Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and a few others. My congressman is George Santos. <laughs> Sorry to hear about that one. Can't, can't make that up. And uh, and but I don't know all the good ones. Yeah. You know who were just doing their job. I. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? You have real perspective, Aaron. Yeah, it's extremely interesting, and I have to say, on a personal level, it's probably one of the more. And I know I speak for a lot of other technologists who grew up in the same era. It's personally disappointing and surprising for a lot of us. You know, it, you know, we we all enter the internet with this kind of techno optimism, right? That the internet was the future, was going to make everything better, right? I I've, I have friends who are early employees at Google and things like that. They all and Facebook, they all felt the same way. We in many ways we had this kind of almost 
ignorant, naive, childlike view of the world where the internet was going to make everything better. It was going to fix all these problems. And we really believe that. And in many ways, the internet did fix a lot of problems. And now, of course, in the last several years, we've seen the unintended consequences of many of the things, but they're not stuff that we anticipated so early. And so for a lot of us, it's, it's a little bit of a personal disappointment. It's kind of like we helped we helped in a very small way create the genie and now it's out of the bottle and we didn't you don't fully anticipate the consequences. But, you know, the flip side of it is I think now we're all aware of it. And so when you look at the next round of innovations that's coming, like all the AI stuff, for example, there's much more of awareness about the negative consequences of, of how technology is. And I think people are a lot more thoughtful about how to responsibly manage it. Um, but to your point, there there is a very, the, the whole notion of truth and the negative effects of attention, the attention economy that we're all very familiar with are, are very real issues where there's not easy solves. And, um, and that's the unintended consequence of a lot of the tech that was developed. And uh, now it's on all of us to figure out how to responsibly manage these things and how to how to create a world where the internet is, is a net positive without the, the lot of the negative ex externalities. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of this goes back to when I think when we think about when I think about the word sustainability, which as you mentioned before, is what we're we're focused on now. You know, a lot of people think about sustainability as just green, but if you think about it broadly, it's really about how do you create a business where the end result of that business are not negative things that come out in the world. Right, where arguably you're profiting because of negativity, whether it's whether it's anticipated or unanticipated, and I think that's the big business challenge and opportunity of this of this generation of business, which is how do you create how do you create businesses that are long term sustainable and successful from a financial standpoint, but also are sustainable from a societal standpoint, where they don't have those those negative externalities getting created as res, as a result of of your business model, even if it's not intended, at least to think through how to manage these kind of things. All right. I, I want to go back and touch on some more of this philosophical stuff because I love talking about it with you. But but let's talk a little bit about product because I think mm -hmm. it's a really neat story, what you're building there and how you're using machine learning, uh, the role it's playing in, in testing, creative driving strategy. You're representing some very big brands. You're also representing some you know, causes and, and healthcare and, you know, really embracing a broad continuum of clients, very interesting mix. Can we talk about product and, you know, what your vision was, how it's going, where you are, and more importantly, Aaron, where we're going? Definitely. So product, so I left, I left huge right before the pandemic. And, uh, and then I was, I actually was away from the agency business for a few years. Um, working on a totally different venture that that I'm still involved in is actually quite successful called Day Forward, um, which is a D2C insurance company. And a bunch of former Hugers got back in touch with me and former clients. And we started talking about what's happening in the agency world. This was um, earlier in 2022. And what I found really interesting was that the world has dramatically changed over the last few years. We all know this because of the pandemic, but when you really think about the business changes we can get into, they're pretty profound. And I felt that what was very clear was that as a result, companies needed a very different approach to marketing. But a lot of the agencies were still stuck in this old world, kind of the world that Huge grew up in and was very successful and hadn't really adapted to the needs of businesses today. So that there was a very big opportunity to create uh, a new kind of agency uh, that was really dealt on where marketing is going, where marketing and, and, the, and the world is going in the future. And just to dimensionalize that a little bit, I think there are two you know, a few big trends that we kind of touched upon that are really going to chart the course for marketing business over the next decade. Uh, the first one, which we talked about before, is is 
the notion of state sustainability. And if you think about it broadly in terms of the decarbonization of our economy, it's arguably the biggest change in business since the Industrial Revolution. We're talking, if you think about the shift of how to remove carbon for our society, it affects everything. It affects not just cars and electricity, but how we eat, our food supply, electricity, how buildings are made. There's not a, um, it, it affects marketing, advertising. There's not a single sector of our economy that's not being shifted with this decarbonization. And it's not just driven by a societal need to fight climate change. Consumers are demanding it. I mean, the many studies have shown that the majority of consumers today are buying brands that are reflecting consumer value, reflecting their own values. So if you are not a brand that is in line with a consumer, they are not going to do business with you. So it becomes an imperative of every company. And the second big shift, which which was less of a which was less well known a year ago when we got started, but is a big deal now, is is the massive breakthrough in AI. And that has a profound effect in every aspect of business uh, and really every aspect of marketing. It really has an accelerated ability of what marketing can do. And that really lets forces marketers to think about how they how they go about their business in a very, very different way because of how much AI is changing um, the nature of marketing and the internet. And those two things are kind of really what product is focused on for businesses. Talk about that experience going from running what when you left it, Aaron, a very big ship. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you're back in the entrepreneurial world. Requires a different stomach, requires a different constitution, if you will. Uh, it does, and it, it's exciting in many respects. It does, but it's also very fun because the reason I got into this to begin with back in the day was that I love doing the client work. The work is really fun. It's really interesting learning about inside of companies and trying to fix their business problems. And the unfortunate reality is when you get to a company of huge size, very, very little of your time is spent on the client work and a lot of time is spent dealing with a company of that size. So personally, it's very rewarding. And that's a lot of, and I know the other partners in the company feel the same way, that it's really about the ability for very senior leaders to be hands-on with clients at a very senior level in those companies and really hands-on fixing these and fixing and tackling these issues that make, that make the work really fun and inter interesting. It's amazing stuff. It's such an interesting part of what's happening now in our landscape. Let's dig a little deeper on artificial intelligence because I, I, I've got to tell you, you know, I, I don't really know what the hell anybody's talking about. <laughs> you know, I, I understand the historical sci-fi context. You know, yeah. I was never a big Star Trek guy, but I know a lot about it because, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of pop culture and the whole all the other generations of everything uh, that right. have come through Hollywood. I understand um, when the IBM computer beat, was it Kasparov? That's right. Yeah. So I like I get that. And I know there's <laughs> some AI involved in that. But the way people are talking about it today is different. It seems like something has clicked in with AI that has turbocharged it, you know, to the nth degree. Can you break down what the old definition of AI is, what it is today, and why, Aaron, it's so important in society and in marketing in particular? It's a great, great questions. Well, first, first off, there's been a quiet revolution in AI happening for a few years that just hasn't been talked about, but it's been massively impactful in marketing. And that's been in the area of media buying and planning. So if you think about it, back in the old days, right, media buyers would 
you know, the real old days, the Mad Men days, right? Media buyers were hired and they would negotiate with ABC and say, oh, we need these demos. And and you'd do the deal and, you know, you'd mail the insertion order, right? Nowadays, with, with Facebook and Google, uh, you know, that's all programmatic and automated. That's AI, right? And AI is you you advertise on and put an ad on digital. A machine is better at finding your target audience than any human can, right? So in the Gary Kasparov AI battle, for media buying, right? Who does a better job finding your target audience? The AI machines have won, right? And nowadays, planners do not really do much. Planners' job is relegated to tweaking the AI algorithms, but the AI is doing a better job. And that's that's been that's been the case for several years now. It just hasn't been widely appreciated, right? And that shift then started, and that, that shift is also changing, has also been affecting for customer experience for a while. If you think about your TikTok feed is AI generated. It's unique to you. You're the only person in the world that gets your TikTok feed. That's different than my TikTok feed or my kid's TikTok feed, right? Uh, and that's also machine learning driven. Again, and and they do a better job keeping your interest than any human can possibly program one hour of time, right? You have a competition, right? The super programmer, human programmer is going to craft the perfect sets of videos you should watch. The AI algorithm will beat you and entertain you more, right? They've already won that battle. So two down, right? Now there's one, and what's the last battle? The last battle is in content creation. And what's happened in the last few in the last few years, but got a lot of press in the last few months is for the first time we've seen that AI is starting to do a better job creating content as well. And that's the big shift. Now, the way that the way that we see it is that it's part of this broader trend of automating marketing. So, so, so let, let me stop you here because it, sure. uh, I want to make sure I've got it right. So basically, what's happened now is the engine that's been built and running for a while, there's a new deployment that's leapt into the forefront, and that's content creation. Yeah, well, I would say that I would say that it's a new there are there are different machine learning algorithms, but the the machine the machine learning as a, as a methodology and type of computer programming has now been applied towards content creation. And that's the new thing that is getting everyone excited about. Okay. Right. Keep going. And, and by the way, that's not totally new either, because if you, for a few years now, if you want to do a search ad, Google does a better job creating search ads than a human will, right? In the old days, if you want a search ad, you'd have copywriters who'd write the actual headline and that little copy you would see. Nowadays, Google will just spider a bunch of your landing pages on your website and they'll auto-create headlines for you. And they will do a better job than any human can in crafting those headlines. So Google's already beaten, Google machines have already beaten humans on that copywriting front. What's gotten more popular is we say, oh my God, Google can write, Google can write my my child's uh, you know, high school essay, right? And all those, all the kind of crazy things we've been reading about. That's the big change that these machine learning algorithms can be used for content creation. And that's the thing that is really starting to get to take on center stage. Now, when you peel back the onion more, it, it actually is very, very empowering. We believe it's very, very empowering for creators. And let me give you an example. Let's say a creative has this idea like, oh, I would like to do a photo of a frog running down the street holding an ice cream cone to promote like Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I'm just making up a ridiculous story on the top of my head, right? Now I could, I in the in the old days, meaning a year ago, that would actually be a pretty big job if a copywriter would have to, maybe they'd have to animate it or draw it. You have to hire an illustrator to draw that concept. Maybe you do CGI, but there'll be a lot of production work to create that image, right? I mean, there's not, it'd be pretty hard to take a photo of a, a frog holding an ice cream cone running down the street. 
But now you could probably type, I haven't tried it yet, but you can type in those keywords within, um, you know, those prompts within an AI image generator and produce an image that's probably pretty similar to that. So it, it allows a, a degree of content creation and, um, and production that was never before possible. And that power, we're in the first inning of that. And that is very, very transformative to marketing and something that really unleashes creative capabilities because you could imagine a future where creatives are just thinking of ideas and tweaking the algorithms and then out pops a 30 second spot with, when, instead of doing a production shoot, right? We're, we're years away from that, but that's where we're going. And that's what's starting to be very interesting about AI and the revolution that's, gonna, that's coming in content creation. So years sometimes can become even shorter or even longer, but yep. it seems like this is another fundamental creative tidal wave, if you will, that's hitting the industry. Yeah, that's how we see it. I mean, we see it as this is a, these AI tools are tools. They're never going to replace the creative. The creative still got to think of the idea of what the ad is and the marketing message and stuff, but the creative, the ability to exit, to turn that idea in the creative's head into a real executable asset has gotten way, way, way easier because of AI. And it's going to continue to get much more easier. And that's yeah. a very, very big shift. Uh, and to give you an example for what we do at product, we can use AI to now test hundreds of different ad ideas, right? On, on a social media. And so instead of saying, oh, we need the perfect idea, maybe we'll we'll focus group two or three, and then we'll produce the one that wins from the focus group. Now we could test literally hundreds of ideas by running ads on, on let's say Instagram or TikTok with AI generated versions of different ad concepts and then see which one works. And then the winning ones, we can then go into big production for. So it, when you, so it really, it really collapses the cost of production and that's a game changer in the creative space. And what gap, Aaron, did you see in the marketplace? You're, you're a sharp cookie. You're not the only one playing in this space now. Talk about the competitive landscape, the unique opportunity you saw, and how product strikes me has really come up with sort of a very unique and powerful recipe. That's a great question. The biggest thing that we saw was that just as when we were starting huge, it required a very different agency, which was one around thinking about user-centric design and customer experience driving business performance. We think we're at a new inflection point now where you nearly need to think about an agency that's focused on these things around how sustainability and, and new technologies like AI can influence businesses. And that really means a different type of business proposition and a different type of capabilities. So for example, all of our projects use AI, all of our projects, we think about uh, long-term sustainability for initiatives. Um, it's about, it's also because of the uncertain economic environment we're now in, uh, we're talking about a level of speed and innovation that is, is, is not very common for agencies in terms of speed to getting things live and testing. So it's just a very different approach that we think is much more um, cutting edge now, but it'll be the way agents, all agents will be 10 years from now, we believe, just like the way we were fortunate enough at Huge for a lot of agencies followed our footsteps for what agencies should be like in that era. So a, a very popular topic is the future of agencies, large and small. Uh -huh. Based on what your crystal ball is telling you, uh, how are the big, big shops that have that legacy of, of cost and how are they going to manage 10 years from now? I, I think it's a very, very big challenge. Um, I, th I think that there's a real sea change in, in how companies are working with agencies and how agencies need to be structured as a result. And one of the big shifts is a lot of agencies are moving, a lot of companies are moving things in house. 
And quite frankly, I think that's the right decision in many cases. A lot of agency historical agency services in the modern age that we're in need such a speed and iteration and agility that it should be done in-house. Um, I think there's a movement away from AOR towards more a roster of agencies where agencies are good at certain things. And that's what the clients focus on. I think that's the right trend as well. So I think that the idea that you have this giant AOR outsourced machine with hundreds of people working for a company, I think is a very dated concept and and deprives companies of the speed and agility that they need to uh, be successful in, in the modern world. Um, the fundamental thing people need in this in this changing environment is speed. And you cannot have speed when you have giant bureaucracies supporting you. You talked about, you know, and really got me to understand what's changed or what's evolved in the AI landscape. The word agility you just used, that's another area that I'd love to, to break down a little bit more because it's something everybody talks about, but very few can actually do. Big companies move slowly. You know, mm -hmm. they're much more like an elephant or a rhinoceros than they are a cheetah or a leopard. Talk about the landscape now and how today's landscape almost demands agility. Yeah, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest things that happened during the pandemic was the movement to one of the biggest things that happened during during the pandemic was a movement towards um, companies really realizing how important speed was, right? Overnight, the world closed and you had to sell online for lots of businesses, right? Overnight, restaurants closed, they have to pivot, all those kind of pivots that had to happen. And I think a lot of companies, their takeaway from that is that they had to become a much faster, leaner organization and that we are in a world of, of great change and uncertainty. And the only solve for great change and uncertainty is an ability to pivot and change fast. And that's, to your point, that's inherently the opposite of a successful com of big companies. Most business companies are set up to like, you know, the steamship has to go straight ahead because that's that's how we've been doing it. Let's operationalize that. And now there might be this giant tide coming and the boat has to shift to the right drastically and companies have to be set up to make that kind of change. And I, I, for better or for worse, I think a lot of historical agencies are not set up to do that kind of speed and agility. I have a basic rule whenever I would go to meetings with other agencies, which is if somebody is sitting in the room and not saying anything, then why are they in the meeting? And how many times are you in meetings with agencies and there's like 50 people and none of them say anything? It's like, why are they here except for billing time to clients? And that's that's the attitude that has to be unwound with a lot of different client company relationships. And we pride ourselves at product on doing things incredibly fast and at high quality. And, and the key to it is how do you, instead of taking endless amount of time to launch something, how do you launch something fast and iterate over time? And that's the secret. Uh, you, the goal is launch quick and iterate and have a process involved where you're constantly changing something that's live instead of working on perfection where you take forever to get something live and millions of approvals and then nothing changes once you launch. No matter how much you plan, you never know how well it's going to work until you launch. So it's all about setting in a process where you can evolve over time once something's in market. So let's dig in a little, Aaron, into the variety, the gumbo, if you will, of products, product offering, and mm -hmm. your client mix. On one hand, you've got, you know, Reckit, which is a very hot brand. You've got Google, you've got Chubb, but you've also got the Seattle Children's Hospital. Can we talk about that mix of what you're deploying for and with your clients? 
Yeah, so we've been fortunate enough to have a broad diversity of clients across many sectors. And the commonality is, is that most of these clients are hiring us at a time when they're looking for a, a substantial business model change. And there's a shift happening in their business that requires a new way of thinking. And that's when we're able to step in and start to think about how to solve those problems from, from a sustainable perspective. One of our clients was complimenting us and said that it's almost like you combine a think tank, but there's the ability to actually execute and implement the output. And that's a lot of what clients need right now. And that's a lot of the commonality. So while the, the industries are very broad, the commonality is we're in an uncertain world. The world is changing a lot. How do we ensure that we're set up for sustainable success long-term? How is our business future-proofed? And as a result, what are the types of, of marketing initiatives that we can immediately execute to make an impact right away? So it's not just an academic exercise. Absolutely fantastic. Talk about the Seattle Children's Hospital work, because I think that's so compelling. Yeah, so an, an exa the example there was uh, there's an emerging class of, of, of um, medical protocols out there that use uh that use behavioral that allow that are um there's an there's a there's a broader trend happening in medicine which is how do you do more preventative care or care that does not involve popping a pill or surgery which is the most expensive type of medical treatment so the only true way, true way to bend the medical curve long term is is preventative in nature or or do treatments where you're not necessarily using drugs or you know expensive surgeries and stuff like that and that's an antithesis to the medical model today. Most medical model today is you get sick, insurance pays for this super expensive surgery, super expensive drugs, right? But that's not the best way for health. So there's a big trend around how do you kind of holistically take care of a patient um, where you're taking care of them even when they're healthy, so they stay healthy. So part of our work there was creating, uh, focusing on a set of diseases, which is um, uh, different stomach illnesses like Crohn's and colitis, where a lot of research has been shown that through healthy diet, you can actually manage a lot of the conditions those patients have, uh, which is much, much cheaper and better lifestyle than the super expensive drugs and regular colonoscopies and other stuff and often gastro surgeries that these patients have to have in order to stay healthy. And a, a stay, being, on a, being on a certain food plan is hard to do right? It's like a diet, but that's something that an app is very good at doing. We can use an app and all of the, the behavioral gamification techniques of an app that are sometimes used for nefarious purposes. We talked about earlier in our conversation, but can be used for positive influencers to actually help people um, stay on diets and, and stay healthy. So, so we, so we developed with them um, an app that would use diet to help treat these diseases um, to create a new protocol. So now people could use this app as an alternative to these expensive medical treatments to um, help manage these diseases on an ongoing basis. Yeah, absolutely remarkable. And, and I love the, the example as such a, a real and tangible one. You're not only building sustainable brands as it pertains to your clients, Aaron, but in product, it strikes me that you're building a sustainable business. Talk about your hopes and dreams for product. And if we're having a conversation again, you know, in a year or three years, you mm -hmm. know, what do you think we might be talking about? I think our my biggest hope for product is, is fairly modest, but also really hard to do, which is we really just want to do great work that makes an impact. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but it really is true. And that goal is no different from the goal that I had at, at Huge and we were building up Huge. We didn't set our sites up to make this 
1500 person behemoth and all these kind of things. We just wanted to do great digital work. Uh, we had, we had a saying at huge, you know, um, may, um, you know, um, make something you love, like just create great experiences that, that consumers would like. And if you do that, everything else falls in place. And we have a very similar attitude to product, which is if we can create smart marketing solutions for clients that are sustainable, that help clients deliver their fundamental value that they have offered to their customers. Right. And that's really all marketing is about in the most simplest way. What is marketing? It's about creating a brand that has a promise to a customer that's what a brand is. And then you deliver on that promise to a customer. And if you do that, you'll be successful. And that's really at a core of what we're helping companies do. And we, our hope is if we do that really well, we'll go on to be successful. We can do that for more companies and more brands. And it sounds, it, the challenge is doing that really well and doing it predictably every single time. But that's really all it's about. And, and that's really all marketing is about. You know, it's easy to say, oh, this marketing, that marketing, all these complicated things. When you, when you boil down to it, it's really, marketing's pretty simple. It's, you know, you're, you're promising something to customers, you're showing how you solve their problems, and then you have a product that delivers on solving those problems. That's it. It's just really hard to do, but that's really all it's about. So simple and yet so complex at the same time. So this has been so great, Aaron, a, a, a real pleasure. Just, just to, as we start to wrap here, you know, the landscape is so different now. All of a sudden, you know, people, business travel is back up. You know, as it gets humans, we all crave the live experience, whether it's something, you know, business oriented or, uh, you know, we're going to see Bruce in a couple months. You know, we can't wait. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal in our family. Yep. Uh, talk about as you're evolving the business, you launched sort of in the midst of COVID. Now we're largely on the back end. Talk mm -hmm. about how that's affecting the growth of product, different directions that it takes you and and what that means for the business evolving in sort of a different landscape than when you started it. Well, on, on a much more, a much more tactical basis, I'm so glad I don't have to travel as much. I think of the number of hours that we used to travel at huge for meetings that can now be done on zoom. I'm very thankful for, but uh, you know, definitely on a more serious note, the biggest, the biggest difference and the struggle that many of us have is this whole remote work situation. Right. Um, and it's really interesting how that's going to shake out. Uh, you know, on on one hand, there's a lot of benefits to remote work, but the flip side is the the collaboration, especially the creative collaboration for for an agency and a creative organization, is there's no replacement for everyone being in the room hashing out ideas. Um, so it's a really interesting dynamic. So the future is definitely some kind of a hybrid approach, but that's a lot of what we're figuring out, and I think a lot of challenges a lot of companies have to figure out for uh, for how you know what the nature of work is going to be like. Yeah, I mean, I'm here. It's a Monday. I'm the only one here. And, yep, that's right. you know, I get it. And my expectation is exactly that. But um, and I'm on the other side, right? I'm 58. So, you know, the world right now is decided by and for, you know, people that are 20, 30 years younger than me. I get that. But I will tell you that I don't like it one bit. Look, there. Uh, look, I, I think the future, I think more people realize the value of being in an office and the value of collaboration and i think i think we're at we're i think definitely the trend is moving more towards more in person we've we're past the 100 percent remote work world uh, i i don't know how i would have learned my craft if i were fully remote all those years you just can't do it yeah so um i think more as more people realize that and as more companies need to train the next generation you're going to see more of a shift to more more of an in-person environment yeah i hope so i mean i i would think if you're you know uh 
I'll use a lofty word, enlightened, um, you recognize that giving people work-life, you know, balance and being mindful of all those things and coming to work are not at odds. Hundred percent. I mean, a huge. We had a policy where you, we didn't care. I mean, your expectation was you'd be in the office, but if you had to leave, you leave. You have to work at home. Work at home. It's and I think there'll be, I think there'll be much more enlightened, flexible attitude that more and more companies have where. It's normal for you to be in be in the works a few days and be at home for a few days, and that's that's a totally normal thing. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for doing this. An absolute joy to talk to you, and every success. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. There's a better way to make high-quality video ads. You know, like the ones that drive performance on every platform across the internet? QuickFrame by Mountain has hacked the video production process to deliver a faster, more efficient way to produce content. Through a global network of creators hungry to bring your brand's vision to life, you'll be able to iterate and improve upon your campaigns mid-flight, creating a feedback loop of testing and learning so you can scale your business and reach new audiences. Visit QuickFrame.com to learn more.